Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Gittel Swillen, Swan City fan. I'm a contributor to the Jackcast podcast. I also write a column for the Carmarthen Journal for those of you who are uh, living in West Wales. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits, and you can get my writings at EPL Index, among other websites. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, you can find my writings at Anfield Index and on the EPL Index, um, as well as on the Anfield Index Fantasy Footy Pod. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we're each going to have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs, except that's a little bit of a lie, because Gitto, I'd love first to hear uh, your reaction to Wales qualifying for uh, Euro 2016. Uh, Just to put into context, uh, Wales uh, have not... Well, we've only qualified for one major tournament in our entire history, and that was the 1958 World Cup. So... In my lifetime, we've never qualified for a major tournament. In my parents' lifetime, we have never qualified for a major tournament. And then this week, we finally did it. We knew that we were going to do it anyway, because all we needed was one draw out of games against Bosnia-Herzegovina and Andorra. Andorra, a country who have never picked up a single point in European Championship qualifying in their entire history. So... We did know that we were going to do it, but in the end, we didn't actually need that point because even though we lost to Bosnia-Herzegovina on Saturday night, 2-0, which actually we didn't play too badly, um, but um, two late goals um, lost that one to us against a pretty decent team. Um, but because Israel uh, had failed to beat uh, Cyprus, that meant that then that we could celebrate even though we'd lost, which was, I have to admit, a very strange feeling. I mean, when you have been dreaming about qualification for your entire life, um, and well, you you have these perfect images in your head about how you do it. Uh, usually involves like a late goal against England um, to do it. If I'm honest, <laughs> which puts them up, gets us through. But um, so losing the game probably wasn't how we imagined doing it. But that didn't you know quite in the celebrations. Um, and then against Andorra on Tuesday night, it was just one big party in Cardiff. Everybody was um, celebrating. Every, everybody just enjoyed the fact that we had nothing to play for it wasn't the most entertaining game we beat Andorra 2-0 very comfortably they came parked the bus we didn't really um we we didn't really care about that we got the two goals uh and uh, then there were some nice celebrations at the end and now of course focus turns to actually playing in a, a major tournament which is something we haven't done before I also have to work out how I get time off work to um spend all that time in France because it may not ever happen again but um it was a pretty crazy. Um, it was a pretty crazy way to qualify, but it does cap off what has been an amazing campaign because 
Um, we have had one of the best defences in Europe um, this season. That's largely down to Ashley Williams, um, Swansea captain, who is proving himself to be one of the best defenders in the league uh, and at international level, he's quite possibly the best captain we've ever had. And uh, actually, we do have some contenders there. Um, but we've also, of course, got Gareth Bale, um, who gives us that X factor. He's the guy that can win you a game when uh, uh, maybe the flow of the game is going against you. But contrary to popular belief, we do actually have a very good team. For the first time in a very long time, most of our players are playing in the Premier League. Um, very few of them are playing outside the Premier League. And of course, a few of them now are playing in Europe. Um, which is uh, which is very very useful of course, but um, overall looking at Euro 2016, I'm uh, depending on what kind of group we get, I, I think we may be able to actually get through to the um, to the uh, well to the knockout stages. That's pro- probably as far as we can go, and that that depends on us getting a favourable draw. But that 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 thought is for another time. At the moment, we're just celebrating the fact that we are actually going to be there, which. For a country with our record of disappointments, near misses, uh, tragedies, of course, we and it, I should take this opportunity, of course, to mention that despite all these players, it is an incredible achievement that we've done this because um, just a few years ago, oh, um, well, about few years ago, Gary Speed passed away, which yeah. um, it, I, I, it's hard to explain to people from outside Wales how badly that shook us. I mean, he was... He, he was doing amazing things with the national side. He was an incredibly popular human being as well. He was a great guy. Um, and then suddenly out of nowhere, uh, he dies. Um, in, in just, and it, it's just horrible. It was a horrible, horrible time um, for the whole country, if I'm honest, not just for the, for, for the football side of things. Um, and it shook the players. It shook the fans massively. But it also shook Chris Coleman, who, was his, um, who, well, who came to fill his, his shoes, um, because he was a good friend of Speed, and for a while, it really looked like Chris Coleman didn't want to be in the job. It was as if he was taking his friend's place. And the players were really reacting to him. We had some horrific results, including uh, a six-one defeat to Serbia. Um, the fans turned against. Uh, well, a lot of fans turned against Chris Coleman at one point, but things suddenly clicked. We we managed to put the loss of Gary Speed behind us and move on and everything's been so focused over this campaign. Um, they've all sensed that this was as good a chance as we were ever going to get to reach a major tournament and hey voila, we're here. Yeah, I, I, I remember the match right after that when uh, Bale took off his shoe and it had Gary Speed in it and, and just kind of how powerful a moment that was. Um, but moving on from the international stuff, I do realize that a lot of people at the Liberty had hangovers, so there might not be much news uh, from Swansea. Uh, but was there anything that happened this week on, on the club front? Um, no, very little, in fact. Um, the only thing I will say, that um, it, it has got more to do with the international front, but... Uh, um, the uh, uh, you, well, UEFA published their uh, team of the qualifiers, and um, no, apart from Bayern Munich, um, no club had more players um, than Swansea City involved. Because as well as Ashley Williams, um, who's been exciling for Wales, we also had Gilfie Sigurdsson in the team, um, who has been a bit like Iceland's Gareth Bale, if I'm honest. He's been the real yeah. spark that's given them the edge. Uh, and getting them through to France. Um, so I guess that's that's basically the only club news, but it's all been very quiet here because everybody's still celebrating. Yeah, and absolutely understandably so. Uh, now on to Dan. It's been a while since you've been on, but what's the news out of Arsenal? 
Uh, well, my national team's awful at football, so we probably don't want to talk about that. But um, <laughs> no, Arsenal, we, <laughs> we are really bad. Uh, Arsenal, uh, we had a pretty good international break, actually. Um, I haven't had any injuries, and that is confirmed. Wenger said, well, unless they're lying to us, which could always happen. But we don't have any injuries from the international break. Uh, Laurent Koscielny has, is having a fitness test tomorrow to see if he's recovered fit, but at least progressing well. Uh, Mikel Arteta and Matthew Flamini are back from injury. Flamini, for good or for bad, but... Um, uh, and we had a lot of people score over the international break. Aaron Ramsey got one for Wales. Alexis is just not human right now. Got three goals and an assist, I think, over the break. Uh, Walcott scored. Oxide Chamberlain scored. Cazorla got a brace. We had a lot of people score. It was, an, it was a fun international break. And, uh, of course, it was coming off the back of beating Manchester United 3-0 because beating Manchester United 3-0 is always fun, even if it never <laughs> really happens often. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to talk about that game, but it's been a while, so I'll, I'll talk about that much. But, oh, that was awesome. That was so, <laughs> Absolutely so good. bringing up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was really good. Uh, hopefully we can do something similar against Watford, but honestly, I'll take a 1-0, because, you know, Arsenal being Arsenal, and we could very much go and lose to Watford 2-1 after And Watford's defense United, is, you know. is surprisingly good, uh, level with the best yeah. record in the Premier League, which is seven conceded. Yeah, they had a bunch of nil-nils this year season, haven't they? It's like, mm. that makes no sense their defense is good of all things. I remember they, they got a nil-nil with West Brom, and everyone was like, and the most predicted scoreline of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, that'll get overtaken this week by Sam Allardyce's Sunderland versus Tony Pulis' West Brom. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to watch that game. Uh but yeah, it's been a pretty good international break as far as international breaks go. Oh, and Jose Mourinho is still livid at getting suspended, and apparently Chelsea specifically cite that they think Arsene Wenger would have got away with it, which is just hilarious. So, gotta bring that up too, because there's no Chelsea fans to do it. And also, his whole argument was wrong, because if they had called all the penalties right, Southampton would have won by more goals. <laughs> Coleman's comeback to that was like, yeah, well, we would have won 5-2, eh. Yeah, an interesting thing about Komen, name being brought up a lot for that Dutch job, despite Danny Blind saying he still has it. I guess we'll see what happens there. All right, Zach, last week, obviously, a great week for Liverpool fans. This week, dealing with some injury stuff, which we'll address later, but what else has been going on at Liverpool? Um, Obviously, with the international break, it's not been a a huge amount, um, other than, well... Other than stuff that you've probably already talked <laughs> about on the last guy. pod. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, there's a guy with a beard and some weird and glasses. Yeah, sometimes there's a hat. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes there's a hat. Was it Tony Pulis? No, no, it wasn't him. It was someone else. <laughs> the scenes um, in him feel yeah. like Tony Pulis took over. <laughs> the scenes, yeah. Mass, the world mass would murders. peak. The world would actually peak. <laughs> Just like, that's it. You might actually peak have a Twitter, good defense for Twitter. once, though. Maybe. I'm pretty hopeful about this one, to be honest. That's fair. But anyway... Yeah, uh, obviously Klopp came in. Um, goal, Danny Ings made his debut for England, which was cool, and then obviously got injured, which we'll speak about later. Um, it's been fairly quiet. Um, nothing too too spectacular. Just like being absolutely dying to, for the next game. Like it's a long time since I look forward to a Liverpool game, and uh, this Tottenham game is so anticipated. I'm so excited for it. Even if we lose, like it's gonna be. It's so surreal seeing a guy who's won the Bundesliga just sat in our dugout. It's going to be just so cool. I think um, I think there's quite a few neutrals excited for it as well, which is weird because in the last like year we've been the most boring team to watch in the world. So it's, it's good to be liked again, I suppose, a little bit. But yeah, looking forward to the game. Yeah, and uh, 
for Tottenham, it was also a very good international break, largely because we have uh, four players on both Belgium, who are now ranked first in the world, and England, who won every match in qualification. Uh, Della Ali officially now capped, had two more uh, nutmegs, and I know <laughs> that a lot of British fans aren't a fan of this, but it kind of took over the American Spurs Twitter for a little bit, which is calling Della Ali Megatron. Um, which is, again, understandably super American, but I do Oh, that it. is so bad. I that know, so bad. I know, but I kind of secretly <laughs> love it a whole lot, but that's fine. We'll move on to stadium news. Um, Archway Steel was finally demolished, which was the company that postponed the stadium for about an extra two years, which was frustrating. Um, they're continuing to kind of build the uh, foundation level of the new stadium before that starts going. Wembley, which is where we were purportedly going to play while we were uh, building that stadium, is looking a little less likely with uh, allegedly Chelsea bidding more and for potentially an extra year. Uh, but I'm not going to panic now, just as I didn't celebrate when the FA said that they would support both London teams staying in London. Everybody was like, that means we're playing at Wembley. And I was like, let's see. And now they're like, oh, now we can't play at Wembley. Let's still see. We're, we're still not sure how it's all going to break down, and really only time will tell there. Uh, at injury news, and, and again, as we mentioned, we'll touch on it more in a bit, Ryan Mason and Nabil Bentel had both set to miss out against Liverpool, which with their injuries means we could see the likes of a Tom Carroll versus Joe Allen situation in the midfield, which is not something you'd come to expect in a match like this. Um, That's both a of them. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, oh, right. You had both of them, didn't you? We did. We did. They're very, <laughs> they were very similar, in fact. But, yeah, the Swansea um, clash in Tottenham versus yeah. That, that would be it, oh my gosh that that would that would be incredible for all of us it, it, it's like when Rogers and Martinez met in the uh, uh, in the Merseyside oh, derby yeah, again yeah. it's all it's all about us all of a sudden <laughs> also arguably neither could get into your midfield right now but that's neither here nor there <laughs> yeah because you're dealing with trying to get Kisu Young and Jack Cork and John Joe Shelby all in there anyway digressing and such um, Hyung Min Son there are reports that he would be ready for this match. And it looks like he's going to be out longer than many anticipated. But about as long as I anticipated, as soon as we heard that it was likely plantar fasciitis, which I haven't really heard much in the football world. And this may just be me kind of still being newbies to the sport as a whole. But it happens a lot in American sports. And it is especially common for people that are more flat-footed, uh, and, and like 95% of people don't need surgery, but it is connective tissue. And so you get these little micro tears and it just feels like somebody's stabbing you in the foot. It's an awful thing to have to deal with. A couple of my friends, uh, had to deal with it back when we were all athletes before we all got old. Um, and like I said, very common in American sports and some people return quickly and some people don't, but almost all suffer some sort of lack in production when they first come back. Because it is such like a long-standing injury. It can last over a year, the effects of it. It's a very painful thing. Uh, and, and so for the people that are like, oh, Hyungman Sun's about to be back. Now we're hearing it could be another three to four weeks. That more fits the timetable I was thinking. But even when he comes back, people, I'm hoping, won't be expecting him to be at the same level he was. Because taking every step hurts. And you take a lot of steps in football. You're running a lot. Uh, for those that don't know, that's some professional insight. Um, but yeah, so, so concerned about that and hope that he, he feels better soon. 
that injury only a month long, not nearly as bad as what's happened to several other players. We mentioned Danny Ings likely out for the year. Same with Joe Gomez for them. Bournemouth and all the struggles they're having, uh, having lost Tyrone Mings and Max Gridell and now also losing their captain as well, Elphick. And you have all these international break issues where we saw Aguero and Silva and Kolarov and Ivanovic and Matic and Coutinho and Ings and Kroll and Shane Long all injured. Is this a situation where we're just hearing about them more? Do you think injuries are on the rise? And if they are on the rise, is there anything we can do to kind of tail back some of these severe injuries that are keeping players out for so long? I think there is things that you can do. Um, And I've got, obviously, being a Liverpool fan, I've got a Liverpool-specific thing, um, or idea anyway. I don't know if this is done or how, or to the depth that it is done, but when Daniel Sturridge is... True injuries, uh, true injury concern became like paramount um, at the beginning of last season. One of the reasons that he did get injured was blamed on the fact that Roy Hodgson disrupted his very specific training routine with Liverpool that was designed to keep him fit. As we know, sports science has evolved, and pretty much every player now has a specialised um, training regime to keep him in tip top condition, avoid injuries, etc. etc. Um, Apparently, when Dan Sturridge reports for England duty this one time, I think it was after the Tottenham game at White Hat Lane last season, um, when Liverpool won three 0 and it was like the only time he ever played with Balotelli. Um, as soon as he um, went over to the the, um, the England camp, his his regime changed, and this was denied obviously by England. But Rogers and the Liverpool camp were very specific on the fact that this did happen. So I've got I've no reason to not believe it. Although Brendan Rogers chats. A lot of muck, to put it professionally. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things. Like a greater communication between international and national squads is definitely something that I think I'd like to see. And if it does, and if that already does happen, like if they are already in constant dialogue, then maybe like the fans could hear about it more, so that we understand, like, or maybe, oh yeah, so if we understand that where these injuries are coming from, is it because you're not communicating? Is it because you're doing different things? Is it because the national team isn't doing? as good a job as the club team or vice versa. So I think there's a couple of ideas, certainly. And I'm I'm not sure if we do hear about it more or not. I think it's just maybe we do because, you know, the evolution in media. But I don't know, it's quite a tricky one to deal with. It's such a sensitive subject. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Anyway. Yeah, Dan, I know Arsenal have faced a lot of injuries over the past couple of years, but seems to be better in hand now. Do you know if anything has been changed at the club? Uh, yeah, last summer we brought in Shad Forsyth, the American former German national team uh, fitness coach, supposed to be the best in the world. So even though we had a horrible first six months of last season for injuries, we've been, not to jinx it, knock on everything of what I can find, but we've been pretty good with injuries the last 12 months. So uh, whether it's true or not, I'm going to attribute that down to Shad. Um, yeah, he's been, and we've also looked into sports science a lot more in the past couple of years than we did prior to that. Um, Arsene Wenger, I think, or the AGM was today actually, and I think I saw people saying that they made a Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis made strong points to say that they're more focused on um, both sports science and analytics right now. But um, yeah, that's been the change at Arsenal. As far as if there are more injuries, I think maybe in the last five to ten years there were injuries as athletes, you know, evolve and now they're even better than they are now so there's even more quick muscle movement so that causes like um what is it ligament injuries more often but i don't know if it's like this huge rise in injuries or maybe i don't think it's a huge rise in injuries i think it's just i don't know i think it's it thing is just we hear about it more and we overanalyze it more yeah and especially like when it starts to pile up, which it seems to happen at clubs, that once you have one, then everybody's paying attention, and then you have a couple more, and then you get kind of the reputation like Arsenal's had lately. How, how many ACLs did Burnley tear last year? Because it was a lot. Oh, man, yeah. But Burnley specifically tore, like, four, which is... I, that, I don't know. Yeah, now Bournemouth I don't know two. how ACLs work. I'm not a doctor, With but, like, Wilson that just me. seems like it could be a systemic problem. I don't know. That's pure yeah. guess. I, I think you, you raise that, an interesting but. point with kind of the athletes getting bigger and stronger just because tendons don't. So you're, you're yeah. putting all this musculature around something and maybe overloading it, which I think is something worth looking into in the kind of sports science area. I know in American football, Le'Veon Bell used to play much heavier, like 240, 250, which is very big for a running back, and he's lost a lot of that weight, and it's helped some of his knee problems. Um, so maybe that is, is a factor. And I know American football players are obviously much heavier than uh, your average uh, this kind of football player. Yeah, uh, I think I've had similar conversations with, like, basketball people. I think they're saying the same yeah, thing. Yeah, LeBron it's like, James you know, these athletes, dropped a these, lot a, these athletes are just getting so much better and bigger and stronger and faster, which and they're putting so much pressure on these small ligaments and stuff, and it can just make them get hurt more easily because they're just – so insane there's so much quick muscle movement and it's like yeah. it's bound to happen at some point it, it's something similar as well in rugby uh, the rugby world cup is on at the moment and wales have got through the quarterfinals uh and they were um they, well before the tournament then they they put massive emphasis on fitness they did all these training camps where they were meant to make them fitter and stronger than any other team in the competition and what it's actually led to is a major injury crisis um, in, in the Welsh team because, like you said, these players have just made themselves bigger, stronger than than any other team on earth, but it's put their bodies at breaking point. And I think that's, again, something that's happened in, in football. And the only other thing I put on that is just the volume of games. Um, players are playing more games now than ever before, mm. and they're getting this break in terms of... Um, 
so I mean, there's there's a much smaller gap now between to- summer tournaments and the season started. Um, teams are also looking to play more friendlies than ever before because they obviously generate a lot of income. So players are just playing a lot more games. And if you don't really have that recovery time, then obviously you're more susceptible to injury. And that's why I think we're seeing more of the bigger clubs um, sustaining injuries, like we've seen with the international break. Now, players who maybe could have done with a break during the international period aren't going to get it. And, you know, these small niggly injuries um, crop up like we have seen for so many of the big stars, bizarrely, in this in this international break. Yeah, through that list we mentioned earlier, a whole lot of big-name players going down injured. I, I think those are all some excellent points. I, it does feel like we are focusing on it a little more in the media, but uh, to get to this point, yeah, these players just aren't getting any breaks ever. I, I remember when we signed Paulinho, and a lot of people were saying he was awful, and we were trying to figure out why. End result, he just is. <laughs> but at the time, uh, we found out that when we signed him in, what was that, 2013, he hadn't had more than a month off in three years. And that that's just absolutely insane. And I know David Silva had a run similar to that after they won uh, the Euros and then the World Cup. I think he was in a competition every year. So hopefully we'll see kind of a decrease in that. Um, there's a quote in American football that there will always be injuries as long as the job is to forcibly move a man that doesn't want to be moved. I know that that's less applicable in this football, but I would be hesitant in terms of how to fix it, of adapting more rule changes, just because we've seen in American football, it's kind of lost a little bit of the spirit it used to have in the sake of safety. And I agree with all the head injury stuff. I think that is very noted. And the percentage of players that, post-career have to deal with a whole lot of mental issues is unacceptable but like now you can't hit people above the shoulders you can't hit people below the knees and I'm I I know a lot of people in this football are very hesitant on rule changes regarding uh, technology in football they don't want it to slow down play they don't want to have replays Uh, but I think this is another thing that that needs to kind of be watched for you do want to keep the player is safe but at the end of the day it is a contact sport just like any other and injuries will happen and so if like what arsenal is doing and bringing in people to deal with more of the sports science side of it and i know um klopp is also bringing in his own uh medical staff or at least his own medical uh system i don't actually remember which two mm-hmm. um yeah. I, I think as long as people focus more on that then at least we'll see a reduction in severity but there will always be injuries and we're not here to say that anything we could suggest would stop them um, but hopefully there is a way that we can kind of at least limit the, the duration that these players, players are out and hopefully get them some more of a rest. I think Netherlands had an excellent plan of not even qualifying for the tournament and resting their big stars. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to stick with and say that's the reason for why the Dutch were so awful. It's all part of the plan. It's <laughs> yeah, all part of the plan. Absolutely. Also, while we're recording, uh, Komen's just come out and said he will not take the Netherlands job. So this is breaking news about eight hours from when you'll hear it. <laughs> but now <laughs> we will move on to Player Watch, where today we'll be discussing fantasy options. And who is the best fantasy option for your club this week? We'll start with Gitto. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, uh, we're playing against um, Stoke. Um, so and we we do actually have quite a good home record against Stoke. Um, Swans and Stoke tends to go with the home team. Um, I don't think an away match has been won between these two teams yet in the Premier League. 
Um, so Swansea players are, I think, the ones to um, to look at. Um, Stoke aren't always the most adventurous when they come here. I know they have changed a bit more under Mark Hughes, but yet last season when they came here, um, they, they went back to the old Stoke of trying to kick good footballing teams and not really attacking much. So it might be a good idea to um, look at our defenders possibly um, getting, you know, if you want a, a clean sheet, I, I would think that's quite possible against Stoke. Um, I would not put it on Gomez uh, for this week. Uh, he's uh, been, well, he's, he's definitely slowed down his goal-scoring rate um, since the start of the season. He is a player that has great runs and then barren runs. Um, and he's going to be playing against um, uh, Ryan Shawcross, um, who uh, will not let go of his shirt for the entire game. Um, so he is not going to be allowed out. Um, but, uh, uh, well... Uh, apart from that, oof, um, I, I, I'd i have to give it to Andre Ayew, uh, if I'm honest. I mean, he is just the man in form for us. Um, is, he, is he fully so, yeah. fit? I heard there, there were some questions about that. He has had a knock. He is expected to play. How fit he's going to be, I don't know. He's done a lot of travelling as well, of course, um, while off with Ghana. So that that may be the only thing that, uh, that puts you off. But uh, I wouldn't touch any of our midfielders that... That they're not really scoring at the moment. Yeah, and Mama Biram Duf dealing with both injury and bereavement leave issues um, after his mother unfortunately passed during that Mecca accident. Um, Dan will be happy to hear <laughs> that Gomis isn't doing as well as we have a copy of FIFA 17 riding on Gomis scoring 15 goals. I don't know if you know this, Gitto. Anywhere I could, I told people I... Gomis was a great <laughs> fantasy option and he scored 15 goals. So if you could put in a word with him. She's like, hey, Bath, crawl around on the ground a bit more, please. <laughs> I would really appreciate that. I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, please don't. I am a college student with lots of loans. I don't want to buy another <laughs> pair of you FIFA 17. <laughs> well, only time will tell. Uh, Gito, I do have a, a bit of a question, and it's kind of a leading question, and I did not warn you about this at all. Is there any chance that with the amount of chances Gomis gets, because against Tottenham, he had plenty. He just didn't put them in the net. Is it possible that Boney was a bit of a system player? Uh, in what sense? In the sense that, in he that fit he's, been, the he's been at City and he can't fit in there and that somebody else that was rated less highly has now done what he did at Swansea. Oh, right. No, um, I, I think his main problem with City is that he, he's competing against Aguero. And when he first came to Swansea, actually, he took a while to bed in um, and needed a lot of games before he really hit top. Oh, yeah, it was people halfway... hated him when he first came in. I forgot about that. There was a brief period where everybody wanted to be the first one to say he'd be bad, and then he just started yeah, yeah. scoring all I mean, the there time. Was, there was a period where, uh, with Michu out, um, he really struggled to fill his boots, and it, it just wasn't working for him. And then it was actually against Stoke in this fixture, actually, in his first season, that he scored two goals and suddenly looked like this world-class player, and he never stopped. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's just that he hasn't really had the chance to settle in at, um, at City, and he obviously looks so desperate for the goal. And when Boney isn't scoring, he does go looking for it too much, and he really does. You, you're not getting the best out of him. Um, so I, I, it's tough for Boney at City at the moment. I am feeling sorry for him because he is an amazing player. Um, he, 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 I, he just can't get it. He just can't get the chance that he needs. Uh, if I'm honest, and that that's you know, don't Aguero being so insanely good. Um, but I do think if he does score one, then 
we'll see him really start to settle. And he, I don't think he's playing that badly, actually. Every time I see him play for City, I do think that he's doing most of the things right that is just in front of goal, that it's it's not clicking for him at all at the moment. Um, with Gomez, he, he's a player that's going to score in fits and starts. He's, he's going to have runs like he had the start of the season where he scores four and four, or at the end of last season where he scored, I think, eight goals in nine games. Uh, and then he's going to have long spells where he just can't hit anything at mm. all. Which is surprising due to the amount of service that he's getting at the moment. You'd, you'd hope that it would be a little more consistent at the very least. Dan, with Arsenal players, it seems like a very interesting choice right now. People deciding between Otsol Cathorla and Alexis Sanchez. Which of those would you prefer to have this week? Um, I'm going to have to go with Alexis. The man is on fire right now. He scored nine goals and had two assists in his last five games for club and country. And while two of the goals did come against, um, who was it? I want to say it was Venezuela, but it was one of the, I might be wrong there, but one of the smallest South American nations. The other one came against Brazil, so these aren't pushovers. And, uh, you know, he scored two against Manchester United. He scored a hat-trick against Leicester. He just seems like he can score against anybody right now. He is absolutely on fire, and I would sure as hell throw him into my team. All right, and Zach, we already mentioned the amount of injuries you're dealing with. Uh, who would you recommend for Liverpool? Annoyingly, I would have probably mentioned Danny Ings because yeah. he started really well um, in terms of overall play and he's managed to gain himself a couple of goals now, um, most importantly in the derby um, before the international break. So that was cool. Um, right now, um, it's, it's quite an exciting time to be a footballer. So I'm hoping that, like, you know, like, as an Olympic footballer, sorry, um, I'm hoping the form sort of resets and, you know, people are, like, up for the game again. So I'm going to go for. Coutinho, I think. Mm. Um, we haven't got any standoutish players who are in form. Everyone's sort of had like a good couple of games. Marino had a good few games when he got back in. Gomez started the season really well. Ings was doing well before he got injured. But um, yeah, Coutinho will. He's hard working player generally, and I hope to see him be sort of like re-motivated and re-energised not that he's ever slacked off but I mean he just he, you could see so badly that he needed a refresh and I, I think I wrote recently that one of the players that's going to benefit most from Klopp coming in is Coutinho simply because they just needed to hit refresh on the attack like it was, it was such a terrible attack come the end of his uh, Brendan Rodgers' reign that it, it was like it's like watching paint dry like we couldn't break <laughs> down a Sunday league team it was so bad and um Actually, do you guys know what Sunday League is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. It's fine. That's kind of an English term. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I'd go for Coutinho. Hopefully, well, not hopefully for you because obviously we're playing Tottenham, but hopefully <laughs> he's going to get himself a goal or an assist or yeah, something. And, and, and to your benefit, again. Eric Dyer is missing and has been kind of the key to our defensive yeah. scoutness thus far. Yeah, I've heard of all these injuries. We'll, we'll see the battle of the battle of the injuries this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can both feel eleven players. That would be nice. Uh, for Tottenham, yeah. it has to be Christian Eriksen because uh, how could it not be? Especially with Sun out, uh, Eriksen has returned back to his creative role. Uh, Gitto can attest to how ridiculous Eriksen can be from uh, dead ball situations. Has has he always been that good, or yeah, was it just that he doesn't like spotting? No, it's. I mean, two and. Two in one match, I think, is the most he's ever had. Uh, but, That's free. 
but, but it was freaky. I, I thought Fabianski didn't really cover himself in glory the for the first, first one. The first one wasn't great, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. I thought Fabianski could have done better on definitely the first one, maybe the second one. He did that stupid thing where keepers go to the wrong, or, like, you know, try and anticipate it, and then, well, now they can't cover their uh, their own side. Yeah. Like, exactly what Cazorla did on the uh, FA Cup final against Hull two years ago. Yeah. That, and exactly. what you don't want to do is give Ericsson more confidence. Um, I, I think the one that stands out uh, was last year against Sheffield. I don't know if you guys saw that one, uh, but it was on the right side of the goal. And so you expected Eric Lamela to kind of put it to the near post, curl it in. Uh, but then instead, Erickson came up right-footed, put it all the way across the goal into the top left corner. Uh, he absolutely can do that. Um, this isn't like a, a recent development. I think his his accuracy on free kicks is, is some of the best in the league. Uh, he mentioned that he's he studied his technique from Pirlo, and then uh, Pirlo, in a candid American interview, said, I wasn't that good. Uh, whether or not that was a joke or not is has kind of been lost in the amount of <laughs> Tottenham fans losing their minds that Pirlo said Erickson's better at free kicks. But yeah, Erickson is absolutely that good. Puts in the corners as well, is the main creator. Kane and his struggles uh, has dropped a little bit back, which has made Erickson a little less creative. And sometimes the players don't make the runs they need to uh, for Erickson to be most effective. But you know, you have to play him on the back of what he did last week because he can do that. Uh, and so you're kind of playing the upside there. And he has a very high floor as well. You know, you're you're certain, especially in leagues where you're getting uh, kind of ancillary stats, where you're getting chances created and stuff like that, you're going to really rack up a lot of points. All right, and now on to match previews, where we're just going to quickly run through how we think our teams will fare at the weekend. Dan, we'll start with you. We already talked about Watford's defensive strength, but how do you think this match will go? Well, I'd like to think we'd win. we can win. I mean, Watford are a newly promoted side. It is away from home, but we've been quite good this season, uh, at least so far. Uh, I think our only uh, points we've dropped away from home is Chelsea away. I want to say that's correct. Um, we went down to nine men, so I'd like to think we can beat Watford away. Uh yeah, Mezzadozo's on fire, Theo Walcott's on fire, Alexis Sanchez is on fire. Everyone is currently made of flames, so I'd like to think we can beat <laughs> Watford. Um, well, obviously, I'm super excited for this game. Uh, Klopp's first game in charge, which has taken forever to come around. Um, it's going to be a pretty intriguing game because both teams are obviously missing some very key players from their starting eleven. Um I don't really want to argue who's missing most because any, any news probably, on you, probably you actually. No, yeah, not not for this game. Uh-huh. Um, in Klopp's press conference to, earlier today, um, I think the news was Benteke and Firmino potentially next Sunday, um, for the Southampton home clash and probably not the Thursday match against uh, C on Anfield. So they're still definitely out. Um, Henderson's obviously still out. Um, Flanagan's still missing. Um, and he also said, I don't think there's going to be, you know, super amount of changes to what the last, um, you know, starting 11 was under Rodgers. So, um, I don't think you're going to see like huge surprise in the starting, um, starting 11. Uh, I think what we were hoping for was that Gomez might start next to, um, Sacco, but that's definitely not happening for at least a year or so. So don't expect that. Um, I think... I'd probably take a draw as well, not to be like, not to dampen the mood ahead of his first game, but no Liverpool managers have ever won his first Premier League game, which 
is just absolutely madness. I think Benitez drew his first game, which was against Tottenham at White Hart Lane. Debriel Cisse scored, and then I think you equalised. Um, Rogers <clears throat> lost 3-0 away to West Brom, which was just what <laughs> in his first game. Um, Dalglish lost 2-1 to Blackpool when he took over for a bit. So it's I think it's a bit of a jinx on it, So especially at White Hart Lane, and you've been playing pretty well. So I'd definitely take a draw, but I'm super looking forward to it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting one, as you mentioned. Um, our defense was starting to really look legitimate. Uh, still still level with the best defensive record in the league with seven conceded. But again, a lot of that due to Eric Dyer's uh, protection of the back four. Without that, it might be Tom Carroll hearing Dembele may shift back to central midfield after starting the season on the wing. Um, paired with Della Ali, of course. <laughs> Megatron, jeez. <laughs> Sorry. I just really enjoy that a lot. Um, so yeah, that'll that'll definitely be interesting. You'd think Lamela Erickson, Chadley Kane up front. It worked last year. Hopefully, uh, we can find some of that uh, again. I'm not super confident though. I, I mentioned on the Anfield Index preview show, uh, I can definitely see Tottenham scoring one, and I can definitely see Liverpool scoring one. But am I sure either side is going to score a second? Eh, not not as much. I think if Kane scores, we win. But that's not something I'd expect uh, based on his recent form uh, with his goal being deemed a goal and then an own goal and I think ended up actually being a goal uh, on the international break. Uh, screw it. I'm going to say 2-1 Tottenham, but I've been more confident in stuff before. Yeah, be scared, <laughs> be scared. <laughs> Shaking in my boots. Also, very interested to see what Klopp does. We mentioned before, four-two-three-one is a thing that he often used at Dortmund. Doesn't really benefit your player yeah. group. Talked about Ings coming off the wing. Now that can't happen. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't super effective there anyway. I've also referred to Jordan Ibe as a can of Townsend Light, which is certainly no compliment. Uh, so no. maybe he can help turn Ibe around. Uh, but we'll we'll see how that yeah. works. I know they overlap a lot with the wings. Makes Alberto Moreno an interesting fantasy play as well. All right, and Gitto kind of bringing up the end of it here. How do you think Swansea will fare hosting Stoke? I know you already mentioned home team usually has a lot of success. Is that what you're expecting at the weekend? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm definitely hoping for. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm reasonably confident that we won't lose to Stoke. Um, I, uh, it's a Monday night. We do tend to raise our game bit for Monday night games. Um, but they've got Shawcross back, who is a very frustrating player to play against. Um, Bojan's also getting back up to speed, who, of course, at his best, is, is a fantastic player. And Nautovic has been playing very well for them. I think Stoke are a team who've been playing reasonably well this season, but not really finding the results. Uh, I don't think they've been playing terribly, but they've been slow to start. Um, but I, we've been pretty good at home this season on the whole. Um, and uh, a couple of players, of course, are on a high after uh, success in international duty. I just hope they're not all hungover. Um, they shouldn't be on a Monday night. That would be crazy. Um, but, yeah, that we, we've not got many injuries at the moment, uh, whereas Stoke, as you mentioned earlier, may be missing to youth, uh, which could leave them a bit toothless up front. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Um, but yeah, if I was to if I if I was to put a bet on it, I would I would say Swans to win this one. I, I'm quite confident. All right, and with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, I've got a couple of things I can plug. Um, first of all, I'd like to plug the well, my Nick Truss, who's a regular 
a regular listener who's probably listening to this right now. Um, we've got a Twitter account set up um, that deals with, you know, like the fantasy Premier League aspects of life, which is heavier than it, heavier for some of us than it is for others. But um, yeah, we sort of like give like a running commentary on the games, um, mostly on Saturday, but sometimes through Sunday and Monday as well. Um, you know, with with an FPL sort of bias on it, so if someone gets booked, we just say they've lost a point, etc. But we we'll make it a bit more exciting, hopefully. Um, that Twitter account is at AI underscore Fantasy Footy. Um, we'll be live tweeting that on Saturday. Um, other than that, um, I don't think I have to be honest, except for the Anfield Index um app, which is on the App Store, which is where you can get all our content from. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. And like I said, if you want to see anything I write, you can get it on epindex.com, among other sites, which are in my Twitter bio, so you can go there. Uh, oh, and me and my friends are doing an Arsenal podcast called Sons of Arshavin. Get it? Like Sons of Anarchy. Um, you can find that on either Twitter or SoundCloud under Sons of Arshavin. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Uh, yeah, my Twitter handle is at Gitotherwillin, and um, the Carmarthen Journal is out more with my uh, uh, latest column in it, all about how wonderful Wales are. Which is indeed quite wonderful. Uh, I am your host, Kevin DeVries, on Twitter, at Kevroth. Uh, kind of mentioning AI stuff, I am on the AI preview pod, so be sure to check that out on either the app or the website. Uh, also, had my three articles go out for blog.playtaga.com this week on Tottenham. Crystal Palace and what Sunderland may look like under Sam Allardyce. It was a whole lot of educated guessing, if I'm honest. It'll be really hard to play long ball to either Fabio Barini or Jermaine Defoe. Uh, so we'll see how they figure that all out. Uh, also have an article going up today as we're recording, or tomorrow as you're listening. I'm not really sure. I always get confused by that on TheEaglesBeak.com, talking about price points and players you can bring in. As always, hope you listened to the FPL Roundtable, and this is the EPL Roundtable. comes out on Mondays and Fridays, but you're already listening to it, so it seems like you figured out how to do it without me advising you. So with that, we'd like to thank our guests for joining us. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.